I believe it. Praise God. Amen. We, uh, years ago, that song's been out years upon years, and uh, we was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with Bishop McCargo and Bishop Spires Church, and ministering there, and a man got up and sang that song. And of course, it took, it went over real well, especially when Sister Andre got a hold of it. She began to sing, and go, boy, and uh, I think it was maybe later on in that year or the next year, I'm not sure, remember time, and uh, I had to go up to Baltimore, and uh, one of the brethren up there come to me and said, Bishop Williams, I want, I want to know something. I said, okay. He said, when Bishop McCargo and those guys were at, at, he thought they were at my church, and they was at Atlanta, he said, did y'all sing a song, Redneck Christian to the Bone? <laughs> <laughs> no, miss that one. <laughs> Amen. Redneck Christian to, to the bone. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, anyway, God is good. Amen. If your neck's red, brown, white, green, He's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 54, that's a good place to go. I want to just uh, minister a few moments to you this morning. Uh, we've talked about this since the beginning of the year. We've talked about how fear affects us. And a lot of times people will have fear in their life in different areas. They may be bold and brave in one area, but then have fear in another area. And a lot of times the enemy will come in and he will... He will work into that area of fear that's in your life to cause you to lose your peace, lose your trust in God, lose your confidence in, in other people. But there's a way to get rid of fear. There's a way to cast out fear. You know, uh, you can get a bad report from a doctor and fear will grip your heart. You can get a bad report from the uh, from the, from the lawyer, fear will grip your heart. But there's a way to live that fear do, does not control you. There's a way to live. See, we, what we have to do, we must believe that the love of uh, God that God has for us, we must believe in the love that God has for us. I don't, I don't know about you. Well, I probably do. But... The first thing that gets attacked a lot of times in our life is whether or not God loves us. Amen. And I've told you the story a, a lot of times about how when, before I got uh, saved or accepted the Lord as my Savior, I told you the story about how I used to question God about that. How that the preacher would get up and say, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And I've, I just got to the point where that that my life was so bad, and uh, the way we were going, destruction, you know, just, just living on the curse of poverty and, and all these things that were in our lives, and uh, our life was so bad, I just began to wonder. I, I was really uh, tired of hearing the preacher tell me, God loved me. So I told God one day, you know, a big brave man as I am, uh, God, if, if you love me, well, then you tell me. Let me hear you. 
You, you're the God of this universe. You're the God that spoke this world into existence. You're the God that made humanity. Well then, talk to me. Tell me that you love me. Not knowing, in, in my simple way of thinking, I probably wouldn't have known it was Him anyway. Because, you know, uh, not knowing God's voice. Uh, but I, I, I had an honest heart. And I was, I was truly wanting God to tell me that He loved me. And then, then just that week, I told you about how the two people came into church and the prophetic word come forth and, and it was straight to me and the people who didn't even know me, they come from Mobile and I was in the church with Diane and they didn't even know me, never seen me before, never knew anything about me and they came to me and they said, Sir, God told us to come to this church this morning to tell you that He loved you. Now to me that was awesome. I believed that. And, and I, that's the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior because I told Him when He told me that, well then I would repent of my sins and, and not knowing that, that I was going to get the best end of that deal. But anyway, see, believing and accepting God's love, what that does will eliminate fear and then it will begin to boast your confidence or cause you to have faith in God's Word. See, a lot of people don't accept Christ because of fear. They, they, they are afraid of what is going to happen. They're afraid that of what's going to take place in their life. Well, I mean, the first thing that the enemy will cause you to do is begin to uh, uh, think negatively about salvation. Well, if I get saved, I have to go to church every Sunday. Well, if I get saved, I'll lose all my friends. Well, if I get saved, I have to quit this. And I don't want to quit it because I like it. You know, then, then he, he, But he never tells you of any of the benefits of salvation. Number one benefit is you miss hell. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and you can look around and see that you don't have to go to church every Sunday. <laughs> Because a lot of people miss that one. Amen. But, but there's a lot of things that the enemy doesn't tell you. But see, you, the, the process here is that you realize the love of God. Now, I've seen people come to an altar before. I've seen people so, uh, kind of sort of give their heart to God, and that's what they were doing. But see, they really had no conviction over their life. What is conviction? Conviction is a wooing of the Spirit of God. It's a drawing of the Spirit of God to draw you into a place of repentance. When God came into my life, when I was repenting of my sins, I was so sorry for my sins. I, I mean, they didn't, it wasn't anything other than the Spirit of God. I was experiencing God's love so great that I just started beginning to repent of my sins. That's, that's the way it was. It, it wasn't that I came down and just said, followed up, said a prayer somebody said, and, and then walked away and said, I'm saved. And uh, see the conviction, the wooing, the drawing, and the love of God was in my heart so great that I no longer wanted to live like I used to live. Amen. See, the very reason that I came to God was to change that. 
because I was tired of my life the way it was. I was tired of, of the sin destroying my life the way it was. Never had anything. Never was able to take care of my family. Never was, had enough, uh, uh, never had enough money. Never had enough things. Never had what we needed to cover our life. And, and, it was a, and it wasn't a very pleasant life. But when the Spirit of God came, Listen to me. It didn't change instantly. I didn't become rich instantly. I didn't have everything. But, I, but the love of God was so great into my life that I knew those things were going to be taken care of. And God began to slowly work in my life weekly and monthly, yearly working in my life. The closer I came to Him, the more I got to know about Him, the more I trusted Him, and then no fear was able to rule my life. But today, if you see today's life world, is we don't understand what's going on out there in the world. Now, we, we live in our little corner right here. We're sheltered. We, we live a, a, a life that that most people would, would pay money to be able to live in this part of the country, and especially if you could get them out of the inner city. But we don't understand about sin. And what we don't know about sin, see, all we know about sin is the way it was when we left it. Amen. The way it was. Now, when I left it, it was in 1974. Now, there's a, I remember, you know why I say that? Because when we talk about it, we talk about what we used to do. And that's what we know. But the world is much darker than that today. Sin is much greater than that. I never thought I'd see the day that they would arrest a man, put him in jail, because he, didn't, he was trying to protect the life of an unborn child. On TV, the bishop was on his knees crying to the police. He said, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. You're arresting me because I'm trying to protect an innocent life. Amen. Think about it. Well, they didn't think about it. They just put him on a stretcher and hauled him off, put him in jail. And, and many other people were there, and they put them in jail because they were trying to save a life. I never thought I'd see that day. I remember uh, just the other week, Miss California was, was uh, uh, trying for Miss USA or, or America, whatever it was. But anyway, she made, answered a question that wasn't politically correct for those people. She said that she believed that a marriage should be between a man and a woman. How, how odd. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that you'd get put, uh, put out of something because you didn't believe in, you believed in traditional marriage. Who, thought, who would have thought of that? I mean, the man got up and cursed her and everybody applauded him. Amen. Because, because the political correct answer is you, a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. Come on, yucky. Who'd want to do that? Man. Wonder what he'd call me. <laughs> yeah. So when, when we abide in God's Word and stay in His presence and stay in His presence 
He will protect us from hurt, from harm, and from danger. See, what, what the, the enemy means for bad, God can turn it for good. Amen. He can turn that for good. See, fear brings oppression with it. Now, did you go to Isaiah 54? I'm going to read that. Verse 14. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. Thank you, Lord. For you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whosoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Now see what he said there. That fear did not come from God. He said, sure, terror and fear is going to assemble themselves against you, but that didn't come from me. That's what he said right there. Then he said, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I've created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. No matter what, what he forms, he's going to form terror. He's going to form fear against you. He's going to bring things against your life. But he said that weapon would not prosper. Amen. Amen. Listen to it now. The only way that that weapon can prosper is that you agree with it. That you allow that to, to, to control your life and take over your life. What do you do? You fight against it. How do you fight against it? With the Word of God. You take the Bible and you get the promises of God and you do not allow that to come against your life. I shall not fear. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will overcome. This is of the enemy and he will not come, uh, win this victory against my life. I'll plead the blood of Jesus over me. I'll take the word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword and I'll divide asunder with him, the enemy and he will not come against me. Amen. See, God tells us not to fear because he is with us. Amen. He is with us. And He has not given us a spirit of fear. So if God didn't give it to us, why would we have it? He's given, he has not given us the spirit of fear. So what? In 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, He says that He didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. See, He'll strengthen us and harden us against the difficulties of life. Amen. He'll strengthen us and harden us against the difficulties of life. Now I know, you know, newborn Christians, a lot of times the enemy, see, he has no morals. The devil has no morals. He's he's bad boy. And sometimes when we're Christian, new Christians, we get attacked in an area of our life that uh, we're just not used to it. We're not used to the fight. We're not used to the spiritual fight. We're not used to the determination it takes to overcome that. So what we need is we need someone to pray with us. We need somebody to stand with us until we can learn how to overcome that charge that the devil is bringing against us. Just like having a newborn baby and, and, and you know, to begin with... Uh, 
you, you have to hold the bottle for the little baby and, and you have to feed him and then you have to burp him and you have to do all these things, see? And one of the, one of the things that we, a mother begins to do after a while is train that baby how to hold that bottle. So what? So he can begin to hold his own bottle. She doesn't have to do it. She'll train him how to, how to crawl and how to walk. Why? Because he don't know how to do it. But once he begins to do it, and this is something that, you know, this is my pet peeve. You can do what you want to with it. But you have no business carrying around a grown child. Let him walk. Amen. Don't carry him. That's your business, not mine. But I'm just saying, you hold his hand. And walk with it. But, but, uh, but, but once you begin to do that, once they learn how to walk, they want to walk. They begin to run. They begin to play. Things open up to them. And, and they're no longer children. That's the way it is in our Christian walk. We begin to learn how to fight against the enemy. And, and, when once, and God protects us and the Holy Spirit protects us and we stand on this Word. And that Word brings us through every time and we become hardened against the difficulties of life. And we'll bring to notice certain problems no longer affect us. Certain problems no longer have their effect. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was first saved, the devil told me daily that I wasn't saved. Every day, you're not a Christian. You didn't get saved. You just putting on. You just acting. You just putting on. Them people think you saved. You ain't saved. You a hypocrite. That's what he say. And uh, but but it took a few months, a couple of years. I never have that problem anymore. He never bothers me with that anymore. Why? Because because I have hardened myself and strengthened myself against that kind of an attack. Only time he talks to me now is about you. <laughs> they not coming to church, Sunday. They don't want to hear you preach no more. They tired of you. Huh? Come on. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hmm? See, we must what we have to do is first John four, fifteen and eight. We must do our part and believe that God loves us. Let's go over there. First John four. 1 John 4. Fifteen. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now you need to get this scripture. Mark it in your Bible. And we have known that and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as God is, so are we in this world. Get a hold of this now. As he is, so are we in this world. What are we? We're the voice of God, we're the hands of God, we're the feet of God, we're the heart of God. In this world, nobody's there. Listen to me. If somebody wants to know how about the love of God, they need to find out from you. And they don't need to find out with a bunch of words. They need to find out through your actions about what the love of God is. 
Listen, the church has become so critical. They've, they've become so full of condemnation that it, it just annoys me to no end at what, what I'm hearing, especially from, from other ministers. Because, see, there's people, you, you can take, there's people that have problems, all right? And they come to the church, and the church don't help them. They condemn them. Because they're not living exactly like the way they think they should live. And then when, when somebody else offers to help them in the world, and they accept it, then the church kicks them out. They don't want anything else to do with them because they're living out there and seeing. Well, what else were they supposed to do? They come to you for help, and you said no. Because they weren't good enough to live to be in your church. I'm going to put up a sign out there, sinners welcome. Amen? And all y'all know we'll roll out the red carpet for you. Y'all didn't get that, did you? I just called you a bunch of sinners. <laughs> y'all didn't hear me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try to do better, but y'all going to have to pay more. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm going on. <laughs> just, just funny, you know, just funny. See, if we don't believe God's love for us, then we won't believe what the Word of God says. Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Then he said the second commandment is like to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love everyone else as ourselves. So a, a lot of people rebel against this commandment because they believe God hates them. You know, I see there's a van that goes around and says, it's got a sign on the side that says, God hates sinners. Well, people are not going to believe in the love of God if they got that, if they believe God hates sinners because haven't we all been there? I didn't get saved because God hates me. That's right. Amen? God, the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life. Amen. See, in the Old Testament, righteousness was obtained through our works. But when we become born again, we accept the blood of Jesus, which makes us righteous by our faith in His blood. So we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior with the knowledge that His death, burial, and resurrection significantly signify our freedom. So we cannot earn this righteousness. God gives it to us freely by His grace. Now see, it's not a sin or it's not blaspheme, it's not... It's not against the Word of God for me to stand here and tell you that I have been made righteous because being in Christ, I have the righteousness of Christ. My righteousness was as filthy rags, true. But when I was born again, I stepped into the righteousness of Christ which, which is, uh, makes me in right standing with God is what that is. Right standing with God. Some people will say you're not righteous and you're a hypocrite for saying so. But the word of God says we have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Because we can't earn this righteousness, but we receive it because God gives it to us freely. See, our works, serving God, tithing, being faithful in good church attendance, all these things will not make us righteous. Works will not. You have to accept Jesus Christ to be righteous. But as righteous people, we do these things in honor to God. Amen. We do these things in honor to God. But love must be the motivation for everything we do. Why do we do what we do? Love has to be the motivation for that. See, love must be the motivation for everything we do. And where there is fear in our lives, love has not been perfected. Amen. We, we have, the word perfected also means mature. So where there's fear in our life, love has not been made mature. You know, this happens in everything of your life. When, when uh, Diane and I will celebrate 43 years <laughs> this July. 43 years. I love her more now than I loved her when I married her. And I thought when I married her, I loved her all I could. And I did. I loved her with all my heart, all my being, but I didn't know how to love her like I do now. Amen. Now get this, because, because it's more important uh, than, than you might think, because that's the way it is growing up with God. When I first loved God, uh, come to God, met and, and was born again, I loved Him. I did. I really loved Him. But after all these 30 some odd years, I love Him more today than I loved Him now. I love my wife more today than I loved her at the beginning. And I can, I can show it. I, you know, when we first got married, it was a lot of hugs and kisses. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all done forgot. Okay. But that's what it was. A lot of hugs and kisses. A lot of loving going on. But now it's not so much hug and kisses. Hmm? As, as it was. But it's deeper love now. We don't have to do that. We, won't, we do it. Man, I ain't that old. We do it. <laughs> Hug and kiss, I've talking about. <laughs> See, well, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm going to let y'all preach one Sunday. <laughs> but it's deeper. I don't have to tell her every day, every morning, every night, I love you, I love you, I love you. She knows it. She don't have to tell me that every day, every night. I know it. I mean, we do tell each other, but it's not, it's not like it was that way. Why? Because it's become more mature, become more perfected. You know, I could be on the other side of the world. Now, you listen to me. I could be on the other side of the world, and I have been. And I could come home, and somebody could say, Hey, I saw your wife down at the bar room, and she had a man on each arm. I'd say, You saw the wrong woman. Because I know, I know what my wife will be doing when I'm not around. And she knows what I'll be doing when she's not around. Because that, that's not a part of our life. Amen. You understand? Why? Because we perfected our love. 
See, love has to be the motivation. When there's fear in our lives, love has not been perfected. Perfected love casts out fear. Because that's the same way with God. Now, my love has grown such with God that somebody could come by and and say, well, you know, God did this. I can say, well, you got the wrong one. God didn't do it. Why? Because I know Him. I know how He is. I know what He's thinking. I know what He'll do. I know what His works are. I know how God will react in that situation. I know how God will react in sickness. I know how He will react in pain. I know how He will react in fear. Why? Because the love of God casts out fear. Hear me. When we refuse to fear, Satan cannot operate in our lives. See, words that contradict God's words bring fear. Well, somebody says, you never know what God will do. Well, read the book. If you'll read the book, you'll know what he'll do. See? And then then wherever there's fear, there's unbelief. There's doubt. People doubt God in the midst of fear. And if we don't study God's Word, then we'll not be able to recognize the contradictions to the Word of God. See, denominations have been built on contradictions to the Word of God. Beliefs have been built on contradictions to the Word of God. They say things out out of their experience. Listen to me. Uh, You can have an experience. That's fine, but it better be backed up with the Word of God. Whatever that experience is needs to be confirmed by the Word of God. You don't need an experience to confirm the Word. You need the Word to confirm the experience. See, we don't allow popular culture of society to determine what we think. We, We will never be politically right. Instead, we need to continue to align your thinking with the Word of God. Now, I'm almost through. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Psalms 91. Go ahead and turn there. Psalm 91. Now I'm not going to read all of it, but it goes through 1 through 16. It talks about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. See, to dwell, to dwell in something means to live in a particular place. You live in the secret place of the Most High God. When you are in the presence of God, you're in the secret place of the Most High. See, God's truth is His Word. That makes it personal from God to us. We do not have fear And we don't have to fear anything the enemy throws at us. No matter, listen to me, if you know it's the devil, if you know it's the devil that's attacking you, you don't have to fear that. Don't be afraid of it. Because he can't cross that bloodline. Thousands shall fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hands, but the Bible says it shall not come near thee. Amen. Man, I, there was a couple of hurricanes come through and I sat on my front porch and watched them. 
Was you afraid? No. He said, it shall not come near me. Amen. Amen. We had one, Mr. Ivan, come through and we was at the house. We decided we'd stay home, wouldn't, wouldn't go. And everybody called us crazy. Some of y'all called us crazy. Now, we didn't do that to prove how much faith we had. We didn't do that to prove how strong, brave we were. I just didn't want to go nowhere. I told Diane, I said, we'll just stay here. And I said, now, if you want to leave, we'll go. I said, if it make you feel better. She said, well, if you don't want to leave, I don't want to leave. So we agreed that we would stay. And we walked around our house. And you don't have to do this. This is what we did. We walked around our house, outside our house, pleaded the blood of Jesus, quoted Psalms 91, that no fear would come near us. We were tithers, and I have tithing rights. Understand that? There's tithing rights. I'm, I've been a tither all my Christian life, so I got rights as a tither. That, that uh, you know, the enemy won't come in and steal and kill and destroy what I got. And we prayed and everything. But back then, I had a, I had a, a Lincoln car, a full-size car. And it was sitting outside by, right by the pump house. And Diane's car was sitting right there by it. And I had an old truck. I bought me an old truck. It was like a 67 model, 68 model. You remember them old Fords? They were pretty tough trucks. They were heavy, you know. And uh, it was a standard shift truck. And... They had it sitting there. And, uh, of course, Maury and Joe would come over to be with Mom and Dad, you know. They, they wanted to look out for us. <laughs> Joe said, I'm going to Daddy's. Maury said, why? He said, that's where God's at. <laughs> so they filled up the house. So it's all right with us. But uh, Maury, he's standing looking out the door. He said, Daddy. I said, what? He said, your truck's moving. That wind was blowing. That wind blowed that old truck into the back of that Lincoln and then pushed that Lincoln up to the edge of the house. That's how hard that wind was blowing. And, and it tore the mirror off the truck because it hit the pump house and twisted the pump house around. That, and the, the Lincoln was a, uh, automatic, so you can imagine being in part how much wind that was. He said, what's he going to do? I said, I'm going to wait for it to turn and go back the other way to blow them back down. <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> I'm going out there and doing nothing. Amen. But you can trust God. But I lost, uh, in that hurricane, there was two trees that, that I lost. And I was wanting to get rid of them anyway. And one in the back and one in front. Brother Matt come, picked them up, and got them out of there. So, so I, I was blessed because I got rid of the trees. Amen. And, uh, but God, God protected us through that. Now, you, you don't do that. I'm not... Don't you say, now I'm staying because Pastor Williams stayed because that's not the right reason to stay. Right. You, you just make up your own mind. You need to leave. That don't mean you have less faith than I do. That don't mean you have less faith than anybody. You just go and leave. I don't, you don't have to leave in fear. Right. Amen? You can just leave in faith and, and, and plead the blood over your place and say, I'm going to leave it. It's going to be protected by God, but I'm going to take my family and I'm going to go up here to this just in case some emergency takes place. I can take care of it. So, God will deliver us because we know Him. Amen. Amen? Because we know Him, God will deliver us. And if you know Him, He'll deliver you. Amen? Would you stand?